Hello, everybody. Welcome to this, what is it, Monday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am very, very excited to do this show today. It is going to be one of my favorite shows that I've done in a very, 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 very long time. And there's a few reasons why. Well, last night, so today is January 31st, my dad's birthday, so if you haven't, say happy birthday to my dad. I'll say happy birthday to him now. Pretty fun weekend. We destroyed his office on Friday with a bunch of streamers and balloons and stuff. There was about 60 balloons in his office, which was really fun. We were supposed to do 50, but other people were like, you know what? Let's do this. Blow them up. Blow them all up. Because we were trying to get... He turned 50, if you didn't get that memo already. we I went to this party city and tried to get 50 balloons, and they came in packs of 12. So I bought four packs, so we would have a little bit of extra, and... Yeah, we just blew up all 60 of them, or close to 60, because a few of them blew up when we were blowing them up. So I think about 58 of them were on the floor once everything was all said and done. And then Sean, person we work with, he printed out a picture of my dad aged, I think, he's 84 years old, I think, when the picture is, which for 84 looks pretty good. If he looks 84, if he looks like what he did at 84 If he looks like what he did in the picture at 84, I think he'd be pretty proud of himself. They took care of himself that much. Now, he loses all the hair on the top of his head eventually. And we printed out about 20 of these things and placed them all over the office. So his office, his individual office, was completely destroyed with all different celebratory things. Streamers, balloons, etc. Pictures of himself everywhere. It was pretty fun. So that was fun. Saturday, met up with a few friends and family, went out to eat last night, did a surprise party for him, which was really fun. And then today, Sunday, January 31st, his actual birthday, we got together with my dad's side of the family, so my grandma and grandpa, my uncle Mike, my aunt Linnell, and our three cousins. My sister came back in town as well. So yeah, it was a really good overall weekend. And there was some good things in the sporting world going on. This weekend. So I'm recording this at 8.50 p.m. on January 31st. And the U.S. just beat, this might shock you, just beat Trinidad and Tobago 7-0. 7-0 was the final score of the United States versus Trinidad and Tobago. Fairly easy game. Nothing really to write home about in this game. Good performances. There wasn't really a bad performance throughout the team. Great overall team performance. Got some players getting their first uh, debut games for the United States, which is always a great thing. And I was talking to my dad about this towards the end of the game. I'm actually, looking back at it, I think I am grateful now that the United States missed the World Cup right now. Now this is two and a half years later, two, three years later, since they missed the World Cup after losing to Trinidad and Tobago and watching Panama Win their game, which saw Panama go to the World Cup in Russia, United States stay home. I don't think we'd be seeing this youth revolution we are seeing with the United States men's national team if they made the World Cup. Michael Bradley, if they made the World Cup, Michael Bradley is still probably the captain and a current constant feature in this team, and he's probably past Kobe Jones for the all-time caps record for the United States. That's a no-go. Michael Bradley has not played for the United States since 2019, which by all accounts, to me, great sign. I know he's got a bunch of caps. He's United States captain, or was the United States captain. Whatever. You can't put him... We've talked about this before. I made a freaking video about it during the 2019 Gold Cup. 2018 Gold Cup. When was that? 2019, right? Where the U.S. got 
pounded by Mexico, and not pounded, just lost and didn't really look very good against Mexico in the Gold Cup final in Chicago. Played the likes of Guyana, beat Trinidad and Tobago then. That was like the rematch game, which, looking at these past few games between the U.S. and Trinidad and Tobago, makes it even crazier that the U.S. missed the World Cup. So all they needed to do was not lose to Trinidad and Tobago. The last place team in the hexagonal for World Cup qualifying for the United States. All they needed to do was not lose, and they lost to Trinidad and Tobago. What that was the greatest failure in United States men's soccer history. We all know that. It's great, well documented. Michael Bradley was the captain of that team. Bruce Arena was the manager of that team. And if we didn't, I'm saying we as the country didn't lose that game. I don't know if we're, I'm as confident as what I am right now watching the United States. All these young players getting chances with the United States is just awesome to watch. All these players that you probably wouldn't have heard of if they made the World Cup is just awesome. What a game it was. 4 nothing at halftime. 7 nothing was the final. Great games all around. Jonathan Lewis got his first two goals for the United States, scored the first goal of the game. Uh, Jesus Ferreira... Played great. He scored two, I think, and then assist was involved in six goals, six of the seven goals. Paul Ariola looked very good again. Uh, Daryl DK made his debut tonight. One of the most powerful uh, young center forwards in the MLS. Played right back at home. They played in Orlando for this game. Uh, Andreas Pereira, Perea, I should say, uh, much anticipated debut for him. Another Orlando City player, former Colombian international, switched allegiances to the United States, made his de- debut tonight. But great overall performance. Matt Turner, his debut, must anticipate a debut because he's in that running for those backup goalkeeper spots behind Zach Steffen. I would say as we rank him right now, he's probably number four based on what we're looking at with Greg Berhalter's team selections and stuff like that. But I love the story of Matt Turner. They talked about it a little bit tonight of how he didn't really decide he wanted to play soccer full-time until he's 16. Didn't get drafted. So played down in the USA, not USHL, the USL, or USSL. I can't remember what the lower league is called. But then has gradually worked his way up to New England Revolution's number one, one of the top goalies in the MLS, and now made his first cap for the United States and saved a penalty to cap it all off. Great way to start off your debut. And I know he didn't do a lot tonight. This wasn't the most formidable attack that the U.S. will face. They've dominated their past few games as they should based on the competition they're playing. But this game was a good step in the right direction because, yeah, they beat them 7-0, but they could have beat them like 2-0, and then we'd feel a little bit different right now than what we would if they won 7-0. Because you're like, oh, you're supposed to beat them 7-0. But 2-0 is like, man, you only beat Trinidad and Tobago 2-0? With all the difficulties they've had with COVID-19 and stuff? Wow, that's a little disappointing. But Matt Turner played very well. Jesus Ferreira was the player of the game, without a question. Responsible for six goals, or involved in six goals. Scored two of them. Yeah, he's going to be trying to stake his place on the plane to hopefully go to the Olympics. Because the United States, as we've talked about, have been failures when it comes to qualifying for the Olympics. And for those of you who don't know, the Olympics for the men's side and the women's side are two totally different things. For the men's side, it's a U23 tournament. You can bring, I think, three older players. The women's tournament is basically like the Euros or something, or the CONCACAF CONCACAF Gold Cup, or the Confederations Cup. 
Stuff like that, where it's international, it's a big international tournament, you get very good recognition for it. Like Lionel Messi, when Argentina won a gold medal in the Olympics in, I think, 2006? I could be wrong on that, but they won a gold medal in the Olympics. No one counts that as an international trophy for Lionel Messi, because it's a U23 tournament. You need to do it at the big levels, recording everybody else. And the U.S., we know about how their struggles in developing youth has been over the years, until like right now, so I don't think there's any question they'll make the Olympics. They haven't made it since 2008, which is a fairly big problem in regards to youth development for the United States. And it starts to seem like it's turning a right foot right now. But Jesus Ferreira put a big stake in that. I just heard tonight, they talked about on the broadcast, Io Akinola, who scored a goal in his debut two games ago. I believe it was against Panama. Who did they just who they beat really bad? I cannot remember. I'm completely blanking. We'll have it right here. Io Akinola versus El Salvador. Dominating performance against El Salvador. Chris Mueller assisted the goal to Io Akinola. He accepted a call from the, inter- the Canadian international team, but he had some health concerns or whatever, so he didn't actually do anything with them. But he what he did accept an invite for them playing for Toronto FC. Could get that Canadian passport. We'll see how that goes because he's played a friendly for the United States. He hasn't played any competitive matches for the United States yet. Once you play that competitive match, you're locked in to your national team. You can't switch. I don't think you should switch national teams regardless, but that's what saw this is probably this is one of the big reasons why the youth development for the United States was kind of bad. They called up so many German internationals, which were key players in the United States men's national team during the Jurgen Klinsmann era, but it kind of, you could probably see it haltering the development of the actual American internationals that are coming up, if that that makes any sense. Like, I love Fabian Johnson. Timothy Chandler got called up quite a bit. Jermaine Jones got called up quite a bit. John Brooks is another one of those German players that got called up. Aaron Johansson, he's not German, but he came over from the Icelandic national team. Like, there's a lot of players that Jürgen Klinsmann convinced to come to the United States to be a part of their national team. Now you're not seeing that as much anymore. Now you got like Jonas Musso who's got qualifications for both national, a bunch of national teams, like England being the main one in that. Uh, Andreas Pereira, who just switched over to Colombia. Serginio Dest, he was in talks with the Netherlands and the United States, but has represented the United States through all age levels, so he's like, stick with America. But now the U.S. is starting to develop people, and it's always really fun to watch. And Brian, Re- Brian Reynolds who is one of the top prospects for this U.S. youth movement, just made his move over to Roma today. That is a big move for the United States. And that battle for second place on the plane to Russia for that right-back spot, which looked like it was going to be Reggie Cannons to lose, which it still is, but if Brian Reynolds can get consistent playing time for Roma, that's big. That is very, very big and puts a, a lot of pressure on Reggie Cannon to nail down that right-back spot right behind Sergio Dest. Reggie Cannon is playing for Boa Vista right now, which is very good for youth development. From what I've heard, Angel Gomez, former Manchester United player, is on loan there from Lille. It's a very good youth-developing team in Portugal. So I think that will help benefit him. But that's kind of crazy, though, isn't it? Reggie Cannon came from FC Dallas, which is a giant conveyor belt of really talented players. Jesus Ferreira being the main one right now. Again, involved in six goals tonight. But Reggie Cannon came from there, went to Boa Vista, and then 
a year after Reggie Cannon's gone, Brian Reynolds is linked to the likes of Juventus. Now, obviously, he went to Roma, had an inter- a big uh, introduction with uh, Edin Dzeko, saw a picture of that on Twitter. He's a big right back. He's like six foot three or something, 19 years old. That, part, that spot is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. We already know the center back spot's under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, the starting spots at the right back and left back spot are pretty nailed on Sergio Dest and Anthony Robinson. But the backups for those positions, they're a struggle. And we know the bat, the starting position for center back with John Brooks, that's locked in. Aaron Long, you could almost write him down as a lock. You might want to pencil that in right now because Burhalter really likes him. I would think, I don't know how accurate this is, but I'm pretty confident he's been the captain the most under Greg Burhalter. I think Zach Steffen's got to be very close to that as well, but Aaron Long, I know, is the first captain for Burhalter. He's been the captain for two of the last three games at least. He might have been the captain for Panama. I can't really remember. But he's been captain a lot, and Burhalter seems to really trust him in the back as a leader. 28 years old. He was linked with the move to West Ham, and I think he was also linked with the move to, like, Arsenal or something. Another English club he's been linked to for a loan deal, not a permanent deal. He was linked with a permanent deal to West Ham a few years ago, but that never... He didn't get his work visa to go over there, so he's still playing for the New York Red Bulls. But then Walker Zimmerman. Miles Robinson got his first international goal tonight for Atlanta United. Chris Richards at Bayern Munich. Mark McKenzie moving at Genk. Like, there's a lot of very talented center backs for the United States. They're probably going to take four. Because that's usually what most, most teams take. You take two starters and two backups that can rotate in. For the U.S., when John Brooks has been hurt, which has been quite a bit, you'd see the likes of Zimmerman and Miazga rotating with Aaron Long, which tells me Aaron Long is Burhalter's most trusted center back option for the United States. But Chris Richards and Mark McKenzie, very two talented pieces. McKenzie partnered Aaron Long in the game against El Salvador, if I remember correctly. And Chris Richards, obviously playing for Bayern Munich, is going to get a lot of notoriety. He's obviously playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, the team that just won the Champions League against PSG. You're going to get a lot of hype surrounding that player. But man, Reggie Cannon, you better keep your eye out for Brian Reynolds. He could be coming. <laughs> he could be coming. Three years older than Brian Reynolds is Reggie Cannon. Has quite a bit of experience for the United States. Played 13 times for the U.S. Featured quite a bit in the Gold Cup when Nick Lima would rotate in and out when DeAndre Yedlin got hurt. Right before the Gold Cup, or no, no, uh, Tyler Adams was actually playing right back for the U.S. at the time, which I think that ship has sailed. I know Burhalter, when Tyler Adams was first getting called up, really liked playing him at right back, but he's already kind of playing Pulisic out of position. We don't want to play another very talented United States player out of position, especially with Serginho Dest being as talented as he is. So the center back spots, the backup spots of the backs. The backup midfield, I think, the starting midfield's locked in. Tyler Adams, McKinney, and Pulisic, that's locked in. Backup spots, I think Legette could be a lock there. Jackson Ewell played decently well today. He could be that number one guy right behind Tyler Adams at the sixth role. The guy that backs up Weston McKinney could be interesting, whether that be Legette or it be Brendan Aronson, who's more of attacking-minded. Jonas Musa, if he decides to officially declare for the United States, I know he's played for them, but again... The non-competitive fixture thing is going to play a factor in that. So we'll have to wait and see on the holes. And Kellen Acosta, he's kind of made a resurgence in the United States. He was a very awesome player when he was playing for FC Dallas. Never since he's moved to Colorado, his 
I don't know, his notoriety, I guess, for the United States and the mentions of him regarding the United States men's national team has kind of dipped down a little bit. To know, I don't know if it's any fault of his own or if it's the coaches that don't really like him or rate him or whatever, but he's starting to get playing time again, which is good to see. For the attack, wings, I think Giovanni Reina is a lock there. Uh, Pulisic could be a lock there, whether he wants to play him at midfield or winger, which he'll probably play in midfield because that's where he's played him quite a bit. To be honest, I think Jordan Morris, though he didn't play this time for the United States, obviously moving to Swansea, I think he was going to play before he moved to Swansea because this whole team's MLS-oriented. You'll see a lot of MLS teams, which is something you didn't really see under Jurgen Klinsmann. was a lot of young MLS players. Then you got Paul Ariola, who's one of the more experienced wingers the U.S. had. Tyler Boyd played for the United States in the Gold Cup. Hasn't really featured since then. Jonathan Lewis, obviously, scoring two tonight. Chris Mueller scoring two in his debut. There's some talented young wingers here for the United States. Timothy Weah started to get, seems like he's getting a little more confidence under Greg Berhalter. You could see that in the last game he played. Conor De La Fuente is going to be mentioned a lot, playing for Barcelona, similar to Chris Richards. So there's some talent on the wing in the striker position. No one knows where that's going. Good Lord. No one knows if Josie Altador can stay healthy. I think Zardes is going to Russia or uh, to Qatar because much like Aaron Long, he's one of Burhalter's favorites on the roster. His managers all have their favorites, and you can pretty much pencil them down as locks. Not permanent marker yet. Pencil them down as locks because that's just coming from me, and I have no sources in that. But from what I could tell, really likes Jayassi Zardes. So I think he'd be a lock for that. I think Josh Sargent could be a lock for that. Matthew Hopi or Hoppy, however you say his name. Since he's come on, he's never played for the United States at any international level. But has recently balled out for Schalke, scored the first hat-trick ever in the Bundesliga out of American. So he's going to get talked about a lot. Io Akinola is going to be mentioned. Daryl DK, Jesus Ferreira, Sebastian Soto. Like There are so many good strikers for the United States. And I don't know where he wants to go with that. I, again, I think Zardes is a lock to go just because of the relationship him and Burhalter seem to have. But time will tell. Josie, obviously the most experienced one. It's it's going to be tough. The striker position is going to be a tough one to figure out, especially since Josie can't stay healthy for the life of him and his inconsistency scoring the, goal, scoring the ball. It hurts him. It should hurt him more than what it has over his career for the United States because it doesn't seem to hurt him that bad, honestly. It probably should. If you score one goal in 35 matches, you probably shouldn't get called up to your national team. But he did because the U.S. had no other options other than Chris Wondolowski, Charlie Davies for a little bit, but he wasn't playing when uh, he was getting when he was going through that extreme struggle. Dempsey kind of played striker, but he was more of a number 10. Would play the striker as a when Klinsman ran the 4-4-2 diamond. Who else was around in the striker positions? Aaron Johansson, as we mentioned earlier. There wasn't a... Bobby Wood played well for a tiny bit, a very tiny bit. But, yeah, this is going to be a tough call for the World Cup. The Olympics, if the U.S. gets called up for that, hopefully they actually qualify for that, will be huge in, to determine, in determining the squad for guitar. Because there are going to be some very good players make their name at the twenty at the what 2021 Olympics if the U.S. makes it. I know they're still officially calling it 2020, even though it's in 2021, whatever. That's huge. So I'm excited. 
Though it's a U23 tournament, you're still getting experience playing on big stages, and it'd be interesting to see who they call up. Jason Christ is the manager for the Olympic team. Very experienced NMLS manager. Yeah, I they should make it. With the talent they have at their disposal, they would make they should be making this. I don't know if like Pulisic or McKenney would go to this. Maybe they do for the experience. But I don't know. It'll be it'll be very, very interesting to see what the United States does in these coming months in regards to the Olympics and regards to who else gets picked. Because the Gold Cup's coming up this summer. That's gonna be very big as well. Do we see Reyna going to the Olympics or do we see him coming to the Gold Cup? It's going to be awesome, and I am very excited for that. Because this year is supposed to be the Confederations Cup, which is where the top teams from each region, like CONCACAF, Campbell, UEFA, uh, the Asian one, I can't remember what that one's called, in the, the Middle East, or, no, um, there's a few other ones. I can't remember what they're called. The champions of those national team tournaments usually are the ones that go to the Confederations Cup. Mexico has consistently represented the United States at the Confederations Cup ever since 2009 when the U.S. beat Spain and then lost Brazil in the final, which was ridiculous. But that's not going on because, as we talked about, Qatar's stadium situation and their work-labor situation are not very ideal. So they're not going to do the Confederations Cup this year. Hopefully we see that return for the 2026 World Cup when the U.S., Canada, and Mexico are hosting. Hopefully. Doubt it. But that'd be fun. I hope the Confederations Cup comes back because I always love watching the Confederations Cup and seeing which European team lifts the trophy because that's usually who lifts it. Actually, I shouldn't say that because, you know, Germany won the two, they won the 2017 one because they brought like a backup team with Julian Draxler as the captain and they still won the freaking thing. Or came close. They either came, went to the finals. I can't remember. The U.S. wasn't in it because they got bashed by Mexico. I can't remember. But. Yeah, I know Germany had a young team for one of these tournaments. I think it was the 2017 Confederations Cup, which I do think they won. Brazil won the 2013 one. They beat Spain in the final with Fred as their striker. Spain obviously, or uh, Brazil won the 2009 one as well. Obviously, they didn't carry into the World Cups because didn't really do anything in those World Cups. Obviously, getting bashed 7-2 or so. No, yeah, 7-2, right? No, 7-1. Yeah, 7-1. I watched that. I stopped watching that Brazil-Germany game like halfway through because it was so... It was fun to watch for a tiny bit, but then it got sad. Ever since Neymar got hurt, Thiago Silva got the the yellow cards. He got too many yellow cards, couldn't play. It was a mess. And Spain, or Germany, obviously made them pay for that. But they looked good for a few parts of the tournament, kind of, right? Yeah, but I'm excited for the United States' future. Obviously, though, that's not the thing that we want to be talking about today, or what most of you are probably going to want to hear me talk about today. But I had to talk about the United States men's national team beating Trinidad and Tobago, which is a very fun game, kind of a rematch thing from when they knocked the U.S. out of the World Cup, though I'm not going to really say they knocked us out, instead of saying the U.S. knocked themselves out. In the tournament, and again, I looking back, I'm happy they lost that game because it set the United States up for the future that it sees right now, and I am very excited for the future. As I said in the blog post I posted on Friday, which you haven't, if you haven't read that, I highly recommend you go and read it because I did a very, I did a lot of stuff, I did a lot of writing for that. It's a long read, but it's got pictures, so you can get around that. But yes, the future is now. I'm excited. I'm very excited for the future. The future is now old man 
yeah, congratulations to the United States winning 7-0 against Trinidad and Tobago. A touchdown. They beat them by a touchdown in this game. But, man, I think you know what I'm going to talk about right now. It is the Matthew Stafford trade to the Los Angeles Rams. Goodness gracious. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I saw this coming. Because, honestly, when I was reading all these reports, it was consistently the 49ers, the Colts were mentioned in there, the Broncos were mentioned in there, the Carolina Panthers, the Dolphins, the, uh, I can't, there was a bunch of other teams, like half the league, a quarter of the teams in the NFL or something like that. I know I have and a quarter of the same thing, but a lot of the teams in the NFL were linked with Matthew Stafford, and rightfully so. He's a very good quarterback on a bad team. But, good Lord, Detroit fleeced the LA Rams and I like Matthew Stafford I'm not disrespecting Matthew Stafford at all I think this is an upgrade for the Rams but the amount of stuff they gave up for him is crazy now this trade won't be official until the league season starts in March set on March 17th but good lord they gave up two first round picks two future first round picks in 2022 and 2023 and what was it, a third rounder or a second rounder? Third rounder, I think. And Jared Goff. So, I know Lions fans might not be too happy that they got Jared Goff because obviously ever since the Super Bowl year, he's regressed in regards to touchdown-to-interception ratio. Yards have been pretty consistent, but the touchdown-to-interception thing has not been great. And I read the stuff about Jared Goff and Sean McVay and Les Snead not being entirely happy with him, but it just seemed like it would be a lot to move. And when I first made the post about quarterback destinations, I didn't hear anything about Stafford going to the Rams. Anything. Maybe I, if I misread it, I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't see a place where, when I wrote Goff's thing down, I didn't know where Goff would go. I didn't know, I couldn't picture another team that he could play for. He's from California. He was the first pick of the Los Angeles Rams regime. They went to a Super Bowl. They had not had a losing season yet. They made the playoffs two of the last three seasons. He played with a broken thumb. I didn't know where he would go because he was guaranteed, or not was, is guaranteed $43 million over the next two seasons. So I didn't know who would be willing, really, to take on that contract. But the Detroit Lions, getting Matthew Stafford's dollars off the books, Open that up, I guess. Because usually when you see a player, especially a consistent starter like Jared Goff has been for the LA Rams, and multiple first-round picks along with another pick, you usually see the player that's getting traded along with like a late-round pick, like a third or fourth-round pick or something, maybe a little later than that, depending on who the level of player you're trading. But they didn't. They, it was just for Matthew Stafford. Stafford is six years older than Jared Goff. The Rams are not even going to restructure Jared Goff's contract to give him an extension. So it's these two years, it seems like, for Stafford. And they, if Stafford doesn't work out, and even when Stafford's contract is done, they're still not going to have a first-round draft pick until 2024. Jared Goff was their last first-round draft pick, and they don't have any of them until 2024. So, obviously, they traded two first-round picks to get up to Jared Goff. Then they traded a first-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. 
and then they traded two first-round picks for Matthew Stafford. So Jared Goff was drafted in 2016, no draft picks in 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, or 23. 2024. Now Matthew Stafford is in that similar mold to that of Phillip Rivers to where he's historically been a very tough player, but unlike Phillip Rivers, he has missed some games throughout his career due to injuries. Phillip Rivers obviously never missed a start for the LA Chargers other than his rookie seasons when he was behind Drew Brees, but obviously doesn't count in this scenario because when he was the starter, he never missed a start. He even tore his ACL against the New England Patriots or against the Colts and played the next game against the New England Patriots. Again, I love Matthew Stafford. And I think Matthew Stafford can play past 32 years old. I think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that can play till probably 38, maybe 39, somewhere around there. Like, Phillip Rivers retiring right now. Matthew Stafford's body has been beat up in his time in Detroit. Now, it's a lot of different things going on in there in Detroit. No line for starters. No real consistency in regards to offensive play calling and stuff like that. No running game. Reggie Bush is the only 1,000-yard rusher he has had throughout his entire career with the Detroit Lions. No defense. That's been a very consistent ever since Matt Patricia took over. And speaking of Matt Patricia, went back to the New England Patriots this offseason. So that started the links with him and Matthew Stafford and the Patriots. Apparently, the Patriots were the only team Matthew Stafford said, don't trade me to. So that might tell you a little bit about Matthew Stafford and Matt Patricia's relationship with the Detroit Lions. Goodness gracious, that was funny. I read that on Twitter, and I gave myself a hearty little chuckle reading that. About the only team he wouldn't play for was the New England Patriots. Good Lord, and I was having nightmares about having to watch Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford go to the AFCs. Deshaun Watson obviously linked with the Jets and Dolphins, and Matthew Stafford was getting linked with the Patriots. Oh, goodness gracious. But man, I'm surprised. I, I read, my dad was telling me, I shouldn't say I read this. My dad told me, expect Goff to get traded before the Super Bowl. It happened before the Super Bowl. January 30th, 2021, he got traded to the LA Rams. And this is the sad part about all of this. It's not the fact that he's playing for the Rams. It's the fact that we're going to see, you know how many times we're going to see that stupid graphic of Oh my God, did you know Jared, uh, not Jared Goff, Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford knew each other growing up, but Clayton Kershaw was his center. They played baseball together. You know how many times a season we're going to see that graphic? Guaranteed first game of the year, because now they're both playing in Los Angeles. Then we're going to see it on Sunday Night Football, because we know the Rams are going to get a Sunday Night Football game. They're playing at SoFi Stadium. They're going to get Sunday Night Football, especially with Matthew Stafford there. It's going to get a lot of publicity there. Yeah, we're going to see that thing a lot. Goodness gracious, I am not prepared for how many times we are going to have to see that stupid graphic. We already see it enough as it is with Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw links. That gets thrown in our face every time we watch a freaking Lions game. Every Thanksgiving it feels like, did you guys know Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw grew up together and played baseball? He's a center. Like, it's ridiculous how crazy that is. Professional athletes knew each other and played very well together when they knew each other. No way. It's going to be weird, though. My top two are obviously San Francisco and Indianapolis. I did not think the Rams were going to pull this out of the bag. I'm not surprised the Rams gave up what they did because it's the freaking Rams and Les Snead and Sean McVay could care less about first-round picks. See how well that's worked for the Patriots recently. 
obviously having Tom Brady really helps that, and obviously with the Rams having a top-tier defense, probably the best defense in the NFL, truly helps with that. And they got cap problems. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of problems with the cap situation with Jared Goff getting traded. Uh, Todd Gurley signed a big contract before getting cut. Brandon Cook signed a big contract before getting traded. Jared Goff obviously signed a massive contract, and they were instantly regretting that the year after the Super Bowl. They regretted that thing massively. And remember when we talked about on Friday, the report was they're going to have an open quarterback competition between Wolford and Goff. They ain't having a quarterback competition between Stafford and Wolford. Stafford is better than Jared Goff. I'm not sitting here saying that it was stupid for the Rams to trade for him because he is better than Jared Goff. But you gave up two first-round picks to get him, get Jared Goff, and gave two first-round picks to give away from him, give him away. The Lions won the trade. If the, 49, if the Rams go on and win the Super Bowl or do well in the playoffs, good on you. But in regards to picks... The Lions got a lot of picks for this. Now, the Rams, their thinking is, I understand this style of thinking, our first-round picks won't matter because we're going to be competing for Super Bowls. So you're going to have a pick in the 30s, hopefully. That's best-case scenario. Picks in the 20s at least. That's what the Rams are hoping for in this situation. Getting a quarterback of Jared Goff's cali- or, uh, Matthew Stafford's caliber, you would want to be picking in that 20 to hopefully 30 range so you don't think that first-round pick will very much affect you. So you're like, well, we're not going to draft anybody worth it anyways because as the old adage says, you get stars in the first round, you build teams in day two, and you get fillers in the last day. So the Rams are like, well, we can still draft people in the second and third rounds. We still got late round picks. We're just not going to have any first round picks, which we already got a lot of stars in Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, now Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup. They got stars on that team. And this is a way to get around getting young players for cheaper because obviously getting a player in the first round is going to cost you a lot more than getting a player in the second round. Obviously. So that's their logic there. Uh, for the Rams, it's a I, I would probably give this a B because you're only getting one player. Granted, he's a good player. I love Matthew Stafford. Tough dude. Will be an upgrade at quarterback for the Rams. But is it a massive upgrade? No, I I think it's an upgrade, but it's not like you're getting you're going from Jared Goff and getting Aaron Rodgers. It's not that situation where Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, right, wrong, or otherwise, however you view the Pro Bowl, still they've made the same number of Pro Bowls. Or I think Stafford might actually have less. I know Stafford's been to one. Goff might have been to two. Goff's been to a Super Bowl. Goff's won playoff games. I know Matthew Stafford was on the Lions and they didn't go to playoff games, but he didn't win the games he went to. He went to two playoff games. Didn't win either one of them. (sighs) Now, he's going to have a top 10 defense, easily, depending on how they replace Brandon Staley and see how that affects their defense, losing him as a coach. And he's going to have a good running game with Cam Akers. So two things he never had in Detroit, he's getting in Los Angeles to help him out. But man... Is he a massive upgrade over Goff? No. Is he an upgrade on Goff? Yes. I think I've said this. I've said this before. Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. He's better than a lot of quarterbacks that of the teams that he was linked to. But to give up two firsts, a second or third round pick, and a former number one overall pick who's been to a Super Bowl and won playoff games, 
that seems a little crazy. I get, I know you didn't want the guy anymore, and was that just to get rid of his contract? Because the Lions were like, we don't want that contract unless you give us some big picks. That's kind of the amount of picks they gave up for that, and not getting any picks in return. Like even a day three pick is kind of crazy to me. And I hope Jared Goff does well in Detroit. He doesn't really strike me as a biting kneecaps off kind of guy. But I hope he does well in Detroit. It's going to be weird seeing those two play at Matt Stafford in L.A. and Goff in Detroit. It's going to be very weird to see that. But I wish them nothing but the success. Don't have any beef towards either one of them. Like both of them as quarterbacks. Uh, Stafford is better, so I would expect the Rams to be better. I think the Lions depending on how well they build their team this year, might win five games. I don't know. <laughs> They're not going to win a ton of games this year, regardless of who their quarterback was. Their defense still is a work in progress, and I'm not sold on the whole Matt Campbell situation. Matt Campbell could be awesome. He could be Mike Vrabel, which is what I think the Lions were hoping for. But I don't know. It's very uh, interesting what's going on in Detroit, especially with Matt Stafford going to Los Angeles. I thought the Colts and Niners were shoe-ins for that trade. Shoe-ins. I, I heard that apparently the 49ers and Stafford and the Lions were nowhere close on a deal, which is why they probably had shipped him off to Detroit, or to Los Angeles. Jeez, that's going to be it's still weird to say that. I know it's not official yet, because it doesn't. it's not going to be official until March 17th, as we said before, but the NFC West, good Lord, that's probably the best division for quarterbacks, and it probably was last year, too, but... In regards to the talent levels of the players, like you got freaking Matt, or not Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jimmy Garoppolo, whatever you have to say about him being a game manager, he's still a very good quarterback. He's still a good quarterback. And then Matthew Stafford. Obviously, the NFC South, that's something to say to that. Obviously, with Matt Ryan and Tom Brady being there, but the other two quarterbacks in the division, I would say, are not at the caliber of the other quarterbacks in the NFC West. I think the NFC West is the only division in football that doesn't have, like, insane quarterback controversy. Obviously, there's going to be links now. Now, obviously, there is. But the links with Garoppolo being gone, I don't know how much I agree. I believe those. The only quarterback I could see them trading for is Aaron Rodgers, but the Packers obviously just said they're not going to trade him, and he hasn't requested a trade. So that means they're probably not going to trade him. I would bet they're not going to. And then that would lead Jimmy G to go back to New England. But, again, I think Stafford was the only one they are really focusing on. Other than Matt Ryan, maybe they want to take Matt Ryan's contract on and get him to San Francisco and send Jimmy G to New England. Because Matt Ryan, obviously, won the MVP with Kyle Shanahan's offense. So those links are going to be very big. Do I think it will happen? No. But it could. Because, obviously, the reports of Jimmy G's a game manager and stuff like that. Now, geez, that'll weigh heavily on this whole situation on what the San Francisco 49ers do this offseason for their quarterback situation, which I don't think they're going to do anything with. I think they're just going to hold Pat with Jimmy Garoppolo and be fine. Now, this was posted yesterday by Bleacher Report, BR Gridiron, which I don't really take a lot of what Bleacher Report writes for articles too seriously, but when they just post a list five players, then that's pretty easy. I don't need to figure out their analysis and stuff because their analysis could be very questionable at times. Five players, five NFL players likeliest to be traded next. 
Odell Beckham heard his link with the Patriots. That's obviously going to be a thing that's going on for a while. Uh, Brown traded first-round draft pick for him and their best offensive lineman at the time. So, and Kevin Zeitler. So I don't know what he'd go for now, especially since he hasn't played and has been really, for being honest, the number two wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns ever since he's come there. So I don't know what he'd be worth now. A second rounder? DeAndre Hopkins going for a second rounder and David Johnson. I don't know what Odell Beckham would go for. Ever since he left the Giants, he hasn't been that elite wide receiver that we knew him for when he was playing for the New York Giants. Again, he's been the number two guy for the Cleveland Browns. has been hurt for a while now. Patriots obviously going to be linked with him a lot. Maybe he has a Randy Moss resurgence. Kind of struggles at one location like Moss did in Oakland and then goes to New England and balls out for whoever the Patriots quarterback is next year. That's going to be the obvious link there. J.J. Uh, Watt, I don't know if traded. I've heard more cut than traded for J.J. Watt. The Packers are going to be linked with him, with him being from Wisconsin, going to Wisconsin. That's going to be heavily linked. I've heard the Bills linked with him quite a bit, who are in need of a pass rusher. Either one of those teams, I think, are the best fits for J.J. Watt. Bills obviously play a 4-3 defense. I'm not, I think the Packers play a 3-4, which would fit J.J. Watt's skill set better, because I think ever since he's been on the Texans, they played more of a 3-4 front. I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty confident that's what they did. Bills play in a 4-3. Maybe they could switch to a 3-4. I don't know. See how that one works out. Carson Wentz, I don't think Carson Wentz gets traded. I think there's a probably 20% chance he gets traded. Obviously, we talked about Nick Sirianni coming there, and if you watch his press conference, you probably cringed a little bit with how awkward it was. But that whole hiring was to get the best out of Carson Wentz because, from what I understand or what I'm thinking, is that they wanted... The best coach for Carson Wentz was Frank Reich. And when Frank runs the OC, Carson Wentz was going to win the MVP until he tore his ACL against the Rams. This is what they're hoping Sirianni is. He's that Frank Reich, quote-unquote, disciple or whatever. Followed him from Los Angeles with the Chargers to Indianapolis. I think makes a lot of sense. I don't think he'll get traded. Sam Darnold, I think now that Matthew Stafford's in L.A., I think Darnold's going to Indy. From what I could think, what makes the most sense for me, back in the 2018 draft, Frank Reich compared Sam Darnold to Carson Wentz. Again, like we said, Carson Wentz had the best year of his career under Frank Reich as the OC. uh, This would help resurrect, hopefully, for Sam Darnold's case, his career, because it needs to be done in New York. I don't care. I don't care about his potential or his, his intangibles, his stuff that he can do with the football. Don't care. That thing needs to end because it hasn't worked out for either party. Sam looks lost, and the Jets just need a new face in there. Probably Deshaun Watson. If not him, then someone else. I don't know. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, I don't know. Just someone else other than Sam Darnold. Nothing against Sam. If they want to believe in him and go with it, they got Mike LaFleur in there. A young OC could help resurrect Sam a little bit, builds confidence. Robert Sala really seems like the character-boosting kind of guy. Maybe that will help him, but if not, Indianapolis for Sam Darnold makes the most sense for me. And the first quarterback thing I posted this offseason, I guess it's not really the offseason yet, but the first thing I posted, Sam Darnold the Colts just makes a ton of sense. 
building his confidence back up, the best O-line he'll ever have, the best O-line in football. Quentin Nelson's given up three sacks in three years in the NFL, which is ridiculous. Jonathan Taylor's a running back. Michael Pittman as a young wide receiver. Jack Doyle, one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Pass catching and blocking all around tight end. Very good defense, spearheaded by DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Like, the the difference that would make for Sam Darnold is ridiculous. And I think he could have, like, that Jim Plunkett type renaissance or whatever. I don't know if you'll win a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, but Jim Plunkett, if you don't remember, got drafted number one overall from Stanford, won the Heisman. This is back in the day. Played for the New England Patriots. Sucked. But the Patriots historically were a bad team. That draft was also the Archie Manny, Dan Pastorini draft. So, pretty well-known draft as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Not Hall of Famers, but good quarterbacks in their time. And Plunkett, obviously, again, didn't play very well for the Patriots. Went over to Oakland, or Las Vegas. Were they? They were in Las Vegas at the time, right? Or not Vegas, Los Angeles. And they won two Super Bowls with Jim Plunkett. He was the backup both times. I'm pretty sure they brought in Dan Pastorini, and then Plunkett got or either Pastorini got hurt, or Plunkett beat him out again, and then they won another Super Bowl. So maybe you can have that kind of career renaissance because they have looked bad with the Jets. But that needs then. And Deshaun Watson is the other one on here. Obviously, he's going to get talked about a lot. He's requested a trade. We're seeing what the Rams gave up for Stafford. Good lord, I don't even want to think about what. They'll have to give up for Deshaun Watson. This is a similar thing. I brought this up to my dad today. This is a similar thing to what happened when Neymar got sold from Barcelona to PSG. Neymar got sold for $220 million, something like that, 220 million euros. I can't remember the exact numbers. 240. Either way, over $200, $200 million or euros or whatever. That crapped over all transfer rumors ever. Because Ever since that, now Paul Pogba's getting linked with that as well because he got sold for $80 million to go back to Manchester United from Juventus. That gets linked about a lot because that was a world record fee at the time over the likes of Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, stuff like that. So that people link that, but the Neymar thing, we're, that was the first $200 million player. And then we saw like Philippe Coutinho get sold for over $100 million. Antoine Griezmann coming off of... Not a great year with Atletico Madrid getting sold for $100 million to Barca. João Felix, off potential, going to Atletico Madrid for over $100 million. Usman Dembele, who's been in the treatment room 90% of his time at Barcelona, sold for over $100 million. Who else has, has there been a lot of other... Uh, Kylian Mbappe getting sold for over $100 million. Like, there is so many players getting sold for over $100 million since that Neymar deal. It's ridiculous. It kind of set off a chain reaction of people spending massive amounts of money and players that were worth like $10 million back in the day are now somehow worth $50 million. Like freaking Lewis Dunk for Brighton Hove Albion's linked with $50 million moves to Chelsea or pound move, whatever. Callum Wilson was linked to 60 million pound moves to Chelsea. Like that skyrocketed the transfer values of every single player in the world. Ronaldo was sold from Real to Manchester from Manchester United to Real Madrid for eighty million dollars. He was just off the he just won the Champions League or lost the Champions League to Barcelona. Was the best player on the planet, eighty million dollars. João Felix off potential went to Atletico Madrid for over hundred million dollars. Usman Dembele was pretty much the same thing going from Dortmund to Barcelona. Like that was the best player in the world. 
And now we're getting $100 million won't buy you a lot of players. I don't even know what Erling Holland's going to go for when he leaves Borussia Dortmund. I don't want to know what Mbappe will go for whenever he leaves friggin' PSG. Rashford's linked with uh, his transfer value is very high. Like, that was Ronaldo. What is the trade value for Deshaun Watson when the Rams gave up a starting quarterback six years younger, two first-round picks, and a day-two guy, day-two draft pick for his 32-year-old Matthew Stafford, who is an upgrade, yes, but not a giant upgrade over what you currently had. What is going to be the value for Watson? Apparently, I've heard this today, that the value for Watson is somewhere like two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and two defensive starters is what I heard. So it could, I could be wrong about that, but I heard that today on NFL Network. Or it was last night. I can't really remember when I started looking at the rumor and stuff. The only team that can really offer that specific uh, trade is the Miami Dolphins. Because if you look at what the New York Jets are doing, do they have defensive starters that the Houston Texans crave? No, they just have a ton of picks. That's all they can offer the Houston Texans. The Dolphins have good defensive players and depth at those defensive positions. Like Noah Igubinaganate, they drafted him with the third, 30th pick in the draft last year, the 2020 draft. They drafted him as a corner after signing Byron Jones and having Xavier Howard already on the roster. They can afford to trade one of those to Houston, more than likely than not, which is crazy to think about since he just had 10 interceptions. Probably Xavier Howard would get traded because of the money invested in Byron Jones. Igamanaganek could get traded. We'll have to see. Tua, if he goes to Houston, that'd be very interesting to see. But how much do they value him over the Houston Texans? Remains to be seen. Christian Wilkins could get linked with a move as well. There's so many different things that could go into this. But if that's what the the value for Deshaun Watson is, what the Texans would take for Deshaun Watson, the Dolphins are really the only team that would be able to do that. So the Jets have no real defensive stars. I mean, for C.J. Mosley, was out all last year. You opted out. Quinn Williams has been hit and miss ever since he's been in the NFL. Who who else would they trade on the defensive side of the ball? Am I blanking on somebody? I just I can't really think of anybody right now. Off the top of my head, defensive starters... Because everybody knows the Texans' defense is god-awful. Now, if the Jets want to send Sam Darnold to Houston, makes sense. Then you could use that second pick and the maybe the 23rd pick to get defensive guys or help on offense. I don't know. But the Dolphins makes the most sense for Deshaun. I've said that ever since this whole trade thing kicked off. Now, he said that Deshaun's pro- what it looks like Deshaun's most likely destination is the Jets. Doesn't mean that's the one that makes the most sense. If that's where he wants to go, and the Jets give up the right value, right capital to get Deshaun, they'll get Deshaun Watson. He requested a trade. Now it's a, it's to the Texans to honor that trade. But I don't. I if I'm, I'm Deshaun. I'm playing for this team anymore, regardless if they trade me or not. I am playing for the the Texans. Now that can hurt you. Obviously hurt Le'Veon Bell. Got less money going to the Jets than he would have if he stayed with the Steelers. But obviously he got to a Super Bowl. So. Who's the real winner here, Pittsburgh? Le'Veon Bell or the Steelers? Obviously Le'Veon Bell. And Antonio Brown, too. Got to a Super Bowl. But yeah, if I'm Deshaun, I want to go to Miami. But if he really wants to go to the Jets, good on you. There's a lot less to work there with there in the Jets organization than there is with the Dolphins, in my opinion. 
I don't know who the Dolphins' office coordinator is, so that could be a very big thing. If they've hired one, if they didn't hire one, I'm not really sure. I know the Jets have a decent offense coordinator, Mike Zimmer, young, at least a young, talented offense coordinator, Mike Zimmer. But, yeah, interesting stuff here. He's obviously been linked with the Patriots as well. Don't see how that one would work out. I mean, they could trade Stephon Gilmore. They were very open to trading Stephon Gilmore last season. If the Texans want to get Stephon Gilmore in there, maybe they go through with that. Former Defensive Player of the Year in the NFL. Makes sense. I mean, they talked about trading him last year. Had the 15th pick. Bill Belichick's been very open to trading away picks. So, maybe. I know I ruled it out a little just like 10 seconds ago, but maybe. Makes a little more sense once you analyze it. They got cap space. Could get some wide receivers for him in the draft. Not, not in the draft. They just suck at drafting wide receivers. But getting one in the offseason. Allen Robinson. Kenny Galladay. Chris Godwin. And we got some good wide receivers available. So you could sign one, get Deshaun Watson over there. They obviously have linked with the Patriots with Casario there. And freaking uh, Jack Easterby. I've got links to the Patriots. That one makes sense. And it's kind of scaring me thinking about that. Because again, they were linked with trading Gilmore. They could trade for him. They could trade him to Houston. If they were really serious about trading that and the Texans want defenders for Deshaun along with first-round picks, with the Patriots have been very open in trading. That one makes a lot of sense, which is very depressing. Josh McDaniels and Deshaun Watson. I don't like Josh McDaniels, the head coach, but as the OC, he's pretty talented as an OC. So, yeah, that one hurts. Uh, the 49ers obviously getting linked with there as well. They got defensive starters to spare. If they want to get Solomon Thomas over there. They've been very off and on with their love and hate relationship with Solomon Thomas. Obviously not trading Fred Warner or Bosa or anybody like that or Armstead. Eh, they might trade Armstead. He's a talented player. He would go. They. They. I know. I wouldn't trade him. He's a friggin' monster. He'd help solve some problems in Houston on the defensive line. Because that's when JJ Watt's gone. It's gonna be their big issue this offseason. Obviously, quarterback of the D line is gonna be the other one. But yeah, if I had to place money on where these teams players were traded, or if I actually, I'm not gonna say place money down because obviously I have no sources or anything. It's just me talking and giving my opinions on things. I don't have any sources on anything. But if I had to guess, I would say Odell to the Patriots, because that's been linked forever. J.J. Watt to the Packers. Carson Wentz to the Eagles. Sam Darnold to the Colts. And Deshaun to the... Now, if I'm being smart here, I would say Deshaun Watts to the Dolphins. But if I believe everything I'm hearing from the media... I'm saying Deshaun Watson to the Jets. It's one of those two teams you would have to imagine. Someone in the AFC East, which pisses me off that that's going to happen. But that's what that's the world we live in right now. Deshaun Watson's going to the AFC East, whether I like it or not. Whether Bills fans like it or not. There's one place that I kind of saw him going, or I didn't see him going, but it's been talked about on Twitter, and it got kind of big for a little bit. Not because it was actually reported or anything, or they can afford to do this, but it was Deshaun Watson for Baker Mayfield. There's a Browns fan page on Fansided, which is where uh, it's it's in the name. Fans connected to a team. It's not it's not team. It's not connected to a team officially. So it's like not a guy writing for the Browns on Fansided. It's a group of fans that write for this website and the Browns fans. Okay, I didn't explain that very well, but. You get my you get the point, I guess. I hope you do, anyways. 
But they wrote an article, why the Browns should trade for Deshaun Watson, or what is something along those lines. I didn't read the article, didn't care. The thing that piqued my interest, though, was the fact that Baker Mayfield quote-tweeted it. (laughs) I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm going to try and find the tweet real quick, because it was pretty funny. I saw, I even gave it a like, because I was like, wow, that's actually pretty funny. Oh yeah, okay, here's the thing. It was Dog Pound Daily. Was it a fan-sided page? I think it was a fan-sided thing. Yeah, fan-sided Dog Pound Daily. So if you want to go follow that on Twitter, go ahead, at Dog Pound Daily. This was an article done by Riley McCormick. This was three days ago. The article's still up, even though Baker Mayfield bashed it. (laughs) And the quote, the tweet says, the Cleveland hashtag Browns need to think about Deshaun Watson. Which I think every team outside of, like, five need to think about Deshaun Watson. They didn't say... They should trade for him. They just said they need to think about it. That's not saying that you definitely need to trade for him. Trade Baker now. Because I know Browns fans love themselves from Baker Mayfield. He got him the playoffs, won a playoff game, so on and so forth. So Baker said that little, the, like, A-OK thing, or A, like the, I don't know, the circle thing with three fingers up, like that. Yes. Yes. And he said, some of y'all, quote, Browns are funny. So I gave it a like. I thought it was funny. So, obviously, I no, I shouldn't say I didn't read the article. I read, like, the first couple sentences in the article. and said something along the lines of, I'm not, I know this is crazy to think that the Browns are Trey Baker Mayfield. And it's funny because listening to the Browns, I know Bills fans can get a little overprotective with Josh Allen, but Sir Yacht on Twitter said, list of QBs I would trade Baker Mayfield for. One, Patrick Mahomes. And that's the list. And then, dude, Twitter account, the Cam from, Cam from Canada 3, if you want to go look at the at, he said, I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes play without an all-star cast, elite coaching, and a world-class system. I also haven't seen him without a completely catered environment. I'm honestly not sure I'd even make that move. So we're just not going to, we're going to sit here and act like Baker Mayfield doesn't have a top three offensive line. We're just not going to sit here and act like he doesn't have a top two, top three rushing attack. We're just going to sit here and act like he doesn't have one of the best one-two punches at tight end in the NFL in Austin Hooper and David Njoku. We're just going to sit here and act like he doesn't have a really good wide receiver in Jarvis Landry and a couple young guys coming up. It would make sense if he had one of the worst systems in the league. Yes, he's had head coaching problems, but one of the head coaches was hired because he wanted him there in Freddie Kitchens. I don't dislike Baker Mayfield. I like Baker Mayfield. I think he's just an average quarterback. He doesn't do anything special. He's accurate. That's one thing I'll I'll give to Baker Mayfield. But Browns fans defending him, talking about I haven't seen I haven't seen Patrick Mahomes without the All Star cast. I haven't seen Baker Mayfield do good without the offensive line that he has right now, or with an actual running game. He was a top what top three in interceptions last year in the NFL. In year two? Now, I know that style of offense wasn't catered to him, but there's a reason the Browns are a run-first team right now. It's not because Baker Mayfield's uber-talented. Again, I like Baker Mayfield. I have nothing really against the guy. But as the player, he's just average. I don't know. He's not that fast. Not that athletic. Doesn't really have that strong of an arm. Again, accurate. Seems like a good leader. Guys seem to like him on the roster, and the fans really love him. But he doesn't do anything... That goes, franchise guy. Like, quarterbacks have won 
in the league. Trent Dilfer, Jeff Hosteller, Rex Grossman, Matt Hasselbeck all went to Super Bowls. We just watched freaking Super Bowl highlights on NFL Network all day. Every time my dad was like, that quarterback went to a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, he did. Quarterbacks can win. There's some bad quarterbacks that have won in playoff games. Some very bad quarterbacks. As we just said, the ones I just mentioned. They have all won playoff games. Rex Grossman has as many NFC championship games, championship wins as Aaron Rodgers. Okay? Like, I get, quarterbacks can win, but Baker Mayfield is not the reason the Browns were winning. I hope that doesn't get skewed or by Browns fans anywhere. He did nothing that really won the Browns game. Other than the Titans game, I don't really think there was a game Baker Mayfield carried the Browns in. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb carry that offense. Kevin Stefanski makes that utterly clear that the Browns' offense is predicated on the rushing attack. They're not a pass-first team. That's obvious. They spent so much money in draft picks on the offense, other than Miles Garrett and uh, Denzel Ward, they didn't do anything to re-resurrect their defense. They lost Christian Kirksey. They lost Joe Schobert in the offseason. Didn't do anything to replace them. They added Adrian Claiborne, though a Hawkeye. Not anything that what he was in college. Like, I like Baker. But you can't sit here honestly. And I get loyalty to your quarterback and stuff like that. And obviously Baker's extremely active on social media. And loves using the motivation to piss him off and motivate him. Like people doubting him. Because he's been doubted all his life. And I love the story of Baker. Maybe I love going from walk-on to Heisman winner to number one overall pick. Like it. But don't say you wouldn't trade <laughs> Baker Mayfield for Deshaun Watson. Okay? Let's stop that right now. Let's stop that dead in your track. That is dumb. That is asinine. How you would say you would not take Deshaun Watson over Baker Mayfield. Deshaun Watson's more athletic. Deshaun Watson's got a stronger arm. Deshaun Watson can make a thousand times more plays. Deshaun Watson's won with less. Like, there's so much. <laughs> Deshaun is a thousand times better than Baker Mayfield. That's not really a bash on Baker. It's more of a how great Deshaun Watson is type situation. I love watching Deshaun Watson play. I like Baker Mayfield. But, Brown, I know you got to be loyal to your guy. But don't tell me Deshaun Watson's worse than Baker Mayfield, okay? Don't do that. Like, even if you want to say, well, Logan, he's better than Josh Allen. If you look at your year three stats, Josh Allen is better than Deshaun Watson in year three. The levels Josh Allen went to this year, and you can compare the situations those two had pretty, they're pretty similar. They both had a good receiving core. Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, and uh, Kenny Sills. Kenny Stills. Pretty good one through three options there. Josh Allen had Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, and then John Brown for some, Gabe Davis for others, depending on if John Brown was hurt or not. The Bills O-line, nothing spectacular. The Texans O-line, nothing spectacular. Like, other than Laramie Tunzel on the Texans, I don't think I can name you another offensive lineman starter for them. Titus Howard, does he start for the Texans? The Bills, same way. Bills have no pro bowlers on their offensive line. Look at their rushing attacks. The Texans had a 1,000-yard rusher in uh, Lamar Miller. Josh didn't have that. Josh led the team in rushing touchdowns. He had more rushing touchdowns than the entire Bills team combined. 
Like, very similar situations down there. The Bills' defense didn't play great this year. The Texans' defense didn't play great the past two seasons. Like, they're very similar situations. It's not like Josh had a thousand times better situation than Sean Watson did. Obviously, they had coaching situations a little better in Buffalo than it was in Houston, but they're comparable in that regard. Baker's O-line's better than Josh's and Deshaun's. His rushing game is a thousand times better than Josh's and way better than Deshaun's. The only thing I'll hand over to the Browns is the wide receivers. The tight ends are a thousand times better on the Browns than they are in Buffalo and in Tex- in Houston. Like, I get your loyalty to your fran- your quarterback. I didn't say franchise guy, your quarterback. But Baker's not better than Deshaun, and he's not better than Josh Allen. He is probably the 15th or 14th, maybe 16th best quarterback in the NFL, maybe a little lower than that. Like, the Browns are a run-first team because they know Baker Mayfield's limitations. It doesn't take a brainiac to figure that out, that why are we running the ball so well? Because we don't really – Baker's not amazing. If you're telling me right now you would still take Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen in the 2018 draft, you're crazy. I know Lamar's got his limitations passing, but I'd still take Lamar a thousand times over Baker Mayfield. Like, I get the loyalty thing. I love the loyalty thing. Gotta be loyal to your guy. But there's a point in time where Baker is not better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, just off the top of my head, if I had to, I'm just gonna go to ESPN. I'm not gonna look at the stats. I'm gonna look at just teams and remember, try to remind myself who their starting quarterbacks are. Okay, we'll go through by division. Okay, so this ESPN's got AFC East, North, Southwest. I know we go North, South, East, West, but we're going to do this one. Bills, not better than Josh Allen. Dolphins, about the same as Tua, in my opinion. They're about they're very similar styles of quarterbacks. Shorter guys, not very athletic, very accurate, don't have strong arms. They're very similar guys. One in college. Cam Newton, okay, he's better than Cam Newton right now. Sam Darnold, he's better than Sam Darnold. Lamar Jackson, he's not better than Lamar Jackson. Joe Burrow, he's not better than Joe Burrow. Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, I mean, 39-year-old Ben Roethlisberger, sure, yeah, go for it. Sean Watson, not better than Sean Watson. Whoever the Colts get a quarterback, I don't know, they don't have a quarterback right now. Jacob Eason, sure, yeah, he's better than him. Gardner Minshew, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, because he's going to be him. Trevor Lawrence is better, at least from the college standpoint, I would take Trevor Lawrence over Baker Mayfield. Ryan Tannehill, he's not better than Ryan Tannehill. Drew Locke. Okay, he's better than Drew Locke. Congratulations. Patrick Mahomes, no. Derek Carr, no. Justin Herbert, no. We'll just go with the NFC West. Russell Wilson, no. Jimmy G, maybe. Matthew Stafford, no. Kyler Murray, no. Tom Brady, no. Taysom Hill, sure. Teddy Bridgewater, sure. Matt Ryan, no. Kirk Cousins, no. Aaron Rodgers, no. Jared Goff, maybe. Trubisky, yes. I don't know. The Reds, the Washington football team don't have a quarterback, so sure. Carson Wentz, even though he had a down year this year, no. Daniel Jones, maybe. Dak Prescott, no. Like, he's not better than <laughs> like most of the NFL. But their current starting quarterbacks, I would take their quarterbacks, I'd take the Pills quarterback, I would take the Ravens, Bengals, Texans, Jaguars, Titans, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Seahawks, that's 10 quarterbacks, 49ers, Rams, Cardinals, Buccaneers, Falcons, Vikings, Packers, I'll give you the Lions, I'll say he's better than Goff, sure, 
Eagles and Cowboys. I would take 18, 19 quarterbacks if they're all fully healthy and full go over Baker Mayfield. 19. So don't sit here. I get, again, the loyalty thing. Good. Uh, kudos to you on the loyalty thing. Do not say the only quarterback you would trade. And you're, the guy below is even questioning that, which is ridiculous, that you would take Baker Mayfield maybe over. <laughs> you might take Patrick Mahomes over Baker Mayfield. That stuff is crazy. There is not, he is not a top half quarterback. Maybe. On his day, he might be. That's if he's at his peak. College Baker Mayfield, yeah, he won the Heisman. He's number one overall pick. Yeah, he is one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. And so is Matt Leinart. So is Vince Young. So is Tim Tebow. So is Troy Smith. Uh, there's great college quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield's obviously way better than them in the NFL, but they're a run-first team. All the teams I mentioned, other than the Titans and the Ravens, I guess, but Lamar Jackson does the running for them, are pass-first teams. Like, we go through running back situations. Is it better than the Bills? This is just Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt rushing attacks. Yes, Bills. Yes, Dolphins. Yes, Patriots. Yes, Jets. Running back-wise, yes, Ravens. Yes, Bengals. Yes, Steelers. Yes, Texans. Yes, Colts. Yes, Jaguars. No Titans. So there's the first one. We've gone through 10 teams. That's the first team we said no to. Right? Yeah, 10. Yes, Broncos. Yes, Chiefs. Yes, Raiders. Yes, Chargers. Yes, Seahawks. Yes, Niners. Yes, Rams. Yes, Cardinals. Yes, Bucks. Yes, Saints. Yes, Panthers, Falcons, Vikings, Packers. I'm expecting Aaron Jones to leave. Uh, Lions, Bears, Washington football team, <laughs> Eagles, Giants, and Cowboys. That is 30 teams in the NFL. Other than the Browns, and the Titans, I would take their rushing attack over. The team I was critiquing, the set. So 30, out of 31 possible teams, I would take Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt over every other option in the NFL. Offensive lines, take them over the Bills, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, Ravens, Bengals. Uh, we'll take them over the Steelers this year especially. Texans, Colts, no, I would take the Colts over line. Jaguars, Titans. Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Chargers, Seahawks, Niners on their day could be up there. Just for sake of it, I'll say the Niners one's up there too. Because obviously Trent Williams, McGlinchey, I don't know. Well, I will take the I will take the Niners. I lost count. But Rams, yes, Cardinals. Bucks O-line's been good, especially Tristan Worse. But yeah. Saints O-line's pretty decent, but no. We'll take the Browns one. Over the Panthers, Falcons, easily Vikings. Packers, if everyone's healthy, have a good O-line, but Take the Browns over them. Lions, Packers, Wash football team, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys. So other than the Colts, probably take the Browns whole line over all of them. Jack Conk was a first-team All-Pro. Joe Batonio was up there. Wyatt Teller. Jedrick Wills was one of the best rookies in the NFL. J.C. Treader is one of the most underrated centers in the NFL. Like, do not try to tell me that the Browns are a run-first team because Baker Mayfield's so good in the passing game. Do not try to tell me that because it ain't that ain't true. Again, I like Baker. I gotta keep stressing that because Baker might actually see this. And I would take 19 quarterbacks, win healthy and firing over him. Maybe a little less. Maybe I was a little mean on some of the quarterbacks, but maybe I shouldn't say Trevor Lawrence. So 18, because he hasn't played it down in the NFL yet. But man, the rushing attack, the O-line. Is better 
Baker Mayfield's team than every almost every team in the NFL. Uh but yes, I would I you would have to if you're twisting my arm, I might take Patrick Mahomes over Baker Mayfield. Might. Very similar in skill set. I might take Patrick Mahomes over Baker Mayfield. Let's not be crazy here. Again, get the loyalty. It's awesome. I love loyalty. Bills fans can be a little overprotective with Josh Allen. I get that. See it on Twitter all the time. Nick Wright knows this, and he always tries to poke and prod Bills fans every single chance he can because they know Bills fans will attack it. They always have, always will. Because the Bills have had one franchise quarterback throughout their existence, unless you want to throw in Joe Ferguson, Jack Kemp in there as well. But throughout my lifetime, Bills quarterbacks have sucked. So I apologize for Bills fans if they get a little overprotective with Josh Allen. Okay? Josh can get paid a lot of money. Good for him. Congratulations. Got fined $15,000 for chucking a ball to dude's head. And Feliciano and Dawkins got fined 10000 Reed Sorensen got fined zero. <sighs> for drilling, I think, Rashad Higgins in the head. So, NFL on player safety. We have the new Patriots. We're not going to get fined, but everybody else who hurts the Chiefs, they're going to get fined. Yes. The more things change, the more they stay the same, as that old saying goes. But, yeah. I think that's all I've got for you today. I wanted to talk about the Baseball of Fame. Uh, I wrote a paper on that when I was a sophomore at William Penn. Talked about the steroid era. And basically, how are we going to let players not in the Hall of Fame, like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Alex Rodriguez, Big Poppy got popped, but he'll make the Hall of Fame. Uh, Sammy Sosa, I don't think he deserves it, but he'll go. He He's up there. Mark McGuire is another one. Like, all these players won't make the Hall of Fame, but the players, the people that benefited most from the players – most notably, Tony La Russa and Bud Selig are in the Hall of Fame. I wrote a paper on that when I was a sophomore in college at William Penn. I wish I still had the paper. Sure, I, I really enjoyed the paper. I thought it was a really good paper. And then now with nobody getting elected in the Hall of Fame, first time since, what, 2013, I think is what they said? That's a little backwards. I'm not for cheating in sports. Obviously, I know the old saying goes, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But I'm not for cheating in sports. If you did steroids, that's wrong. But... They still deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. They still did it. I get it was tainted, but you can't put in Bud Selig and Tony LaRusa, La among others that benefited from those players, into the Hall of Fame if you're keeping said players out. You shouldn't be able to punish one. I know the managers didn't do it. There's no way Tony LaRusa did not know Mark McGuire was juicing in Oakland. There is zero chance he did not know that was going on. There is zero. Bud Selig was open and talked about the steroid error, and he's still in for changing the game of baseball. But they're in. Again, Sammy Sosa is my favorite player of all time growing up. Loved watching. My first baseball jersey was a Sammy Sosa jersey my mom got for me at Von Maher at Valley West Mall. Hottest jersey I ever owned. Like, thick. <laughs> Super thick cotton jersey that, like, if you rubbed it, on your arm, oh, that burned. That thing burned. But you can't. It has to be a two-way street here. We can't just go. Well, the people that benefited from them, they can go in. People that used it, no. And I get the arguments that say, yeah, they shouldn't go in because obviously they cheated and all that stuff. And this is their only punishment since we're not going to eliminate them off the record books and take away the wins and stuff. So this is the only punishment we do. But then keep the managers and the commissioner out that benefited directly from the players. That's where I have my problem here. Man, little smart little 19, 20-year-old Logan over there writing these truly sophisticated papers that would affect the MLB 
to this very day. But yes, I just wanted to touch on that. I wanted to talk about that on Wednesday. Didn't get to it. Didn't want to talk about that on Friday. Forgot about it. And that's the problem of not writing scripts anymore because you forget about doing stuff. <laughs> you forget what to talk about. But yes, that is all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. And yeah, that's all I've got. I will hopefully see you guys on Wednesday. Without further ado, this is Logan Blackman signing off, and I will see y'all later. Peace.